Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today, Chadwick Moore. You wrote a book about um, our dear friend Tucker Carlson. He's a he's a character, that guy. But what's the tell me tell me about the before we get into that one. Tell me about um, your history a little bit because you've written for a, a variety of different publications and different topics and stuff. So tell me how you got into this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a, a print guy, magazines and newspapers, um, spent some time in book publishing too. And uh, I was always working in liberal media, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't like political guy. Uh, I had my views, but I never let mm. them known. I was mainly doing like, you know, features, investigative stories, human interest, things like that. Uh, and then um, in uh, early 2017, February 2017, I got so sick of watching all my colleagues in liberal media, you know, completely lose their minds over President Trump that I uh, came out of the closet as a conservative in a, in a piece I wrote for the New York Post, um, which in turn got me, you know, fired from all my jobs and canceled and lost all your friends. Oh, and yeah. You know how they yeah. are. You, you know, you know, the usual story. And um, uh, but that was the first time I got connected with Tucker Carlson because his team invited me on uh, his show. And uh, they do have the best like, production team in the business. Um, all oh, the, everybody, everybody that his, his two producers that work over there, they're just great. I love those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're wonderful and the highest performing mm. team of producers in cable, cable news history. Um, yeah. So then I was a regular on his show. You know, I moved on to to more liberating free thinking magazines and newspapers since then. Uh, and then, um, you know, weirdly I was a guest on the last episode of Tucker Carlson tonight, which is April 21st, mm -hmm. which of course we didn't know would be the last episode, but, um, we'd been uh, working on this book for since, um, early spring, 2022. So well over a year. Uh, and, um, you know, just so happened it was coming out right as the show was taken off the air, uh, the news that shocked all of us. And, and we, Pushed the publication back a little bit, updated the book, got to interview Tucker a few more times since that happens, and you know make sure everything was up to date and and, uh, mm -hmm. and timely also. Any uh, plans to go on his new Twitter show or our X? What the fuck's it called? X. His X show. His X videos. Uh, I would. Uh, <laughs> Sounds a little dirty. Yeah. Um, shit. Uh, yeah, for sure. I I'd love to. You know, now he's. Um, I mean, now he's he's certainly. Probably doesn't have time for small fish like me right now. He's doing, you know, Trump mm. and Devin Archer and presidential candidates. And, and I just heard or I just read, not confirmed by him, mm -hmm. that he's trying to get a Putin interview, which would be pretty interesting uh, if that's true. Well, yeah, you uh, know what the story with that was that he had a Putin interview lined up before the war started and Fox News shut it down. Yeah, and the NSA was spying on him. Well, that's he a whistleblower. They, they're spying on all of us all the time. They're so. spying on all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody told him they were reading his emails and text messages about it. Yeah. <laughs> incredible jesus christ well i mean i guess he's not negotiating with the guy did anybody investigate sean penn for talking to el chapo yeah right <laughs> i don't Fuck. think they did actually no no <laughs> all right i mean you know putin's kind of a dick not kind of he is a dick but chapo pretty much a dick as well i feel like those guys are on par with one another right yeah yeah well i mean i guess my perspective is why wouldn't you want to have an interview with Putin. Wouldn't you want to hear what he has to say? Mm -hmm. I mean, this man, nobody he's like banned from Western media, whether you hate him. I don't think there's anyone in this country who particularly likes him. Um, but shouldn't we be hearing that perspective? The Russian people obviously really like him, you know, 140 million people who, who really like Vladimir Putin. I think it'd be interesting to understand why. And if Russia is your enemy, wouldn't you want to understand him better? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I tell people that all the time, just because you don't like someone's solution to a problem doesn't mean there isn't a problem there. Right. And it, right. if you give, you don't have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't have to agree with them or anything. Just try to understand where people are coming from, because there is some underlying truth to what they're doing. Always, no matter how fucked up their actions are, there's always some underlying cause that has some, some kind of truth in it. And it's one of the themes of this show. People bitch and moan about their rights all the time. And blah 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 and how things are going and they are content to sit around and wait for somebody else to secure their rights for them you know what i mean instead of yeah you know doing it themselves which is the entry fee for being a citizen that's what it costs there's no literal fee but the entry fee is to do your fucking job you know what i mean um so it's like if you can get to those root causes if you can bypass the politics and the opinion and 
you know, the over and under reaction and the spin and get to the facts, you can solve that problem. And as somebody that thinks uh, conservatively minded, I guess, it's I think it's a very good way of of keeping government small, right? Because you take that power out of their hands. When the government shows up, if there are no hands out wanting something, they don't have any power there. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of the thing that we've lost is people who want small government, right? There aren't a whole lot of politicians who think that way anymore. Oh yeah, of course not. I mean, they're 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 self-sustaining creatures mm. who have to keep that both sides. Going, I mean, who can you think of other than right. Thomas Massey, maybe, who's trying to who who's actively trying to shrink the federal government? I can't think of anybody. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and I don't even know <laughs> what that would take. I, I mm. mean, did I don't know how Trump tried to, or if he can during his second term, if he were to get one. But uh, you know, there's a lot of forces against that, of course. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think about that? Do you think that the president has the authority to shut down an executive branch, like a division? I don't. I mean, like agency? if he could like shut down the Department of Education or mm. the the EPA or something like that. Uh, it's a great question. I I think I guess I don't know. Legally, does he? I'm not like a political scholar. That I, sure. I don't I know. We're talking about that, but yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a president who actually did shrink the size of government while they were while they were there, despite as many who talk, who talk about that. Mm. I mean, I guess you can just kind of cut funding. You know, you could just <laughs> kill it in that way, maybe. But of course, you're battling up against Congress. Well, sure, yeah. But I mean, in that in that sense, um, you can definitely defund things from the executive. So you can um, you can unless there is a specific congressional mandate for where particular funds have to go, you can just freeze all the funds and and you know, good luck doing anything that way. Which is pretty much what the uh the left did to all of our cities with in policing over the last couple of years um create we, we live in the dumbest period in human history i think i really i really do believe that <laughs> you're so you're a journalist you've been writing print for a long time i want to get into some questions i had for you one is um before we get into the sp- specifics of the books and stuff how is it being a print writer these days in the digital age are you on Substack and shit trying to Cat, like keep your own IP and brand or are you still working you know here and there for other companies uh, I'm still uh, I'm a contributing editor at the spectator that's mainly where I write still occasionally pop up in the New York Post uh, I have something this coming weekend there um, that's mainly where I live I've kind of resisted Substack mm. I mean I'm not against it uh, I guess I would but you know I guess maybe I'm you know I'm kind of old school in that way like I like having a masthead and I like working mm. with editors and 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 you know I, I, maybe I am totally you know out of touch where that's concerned, but I think there is a certain power in that. And I appreciate that process of having, you know, people looking over you and making sure that, you know, you got your T's and cross your I's and that your facts are right. I kind of respect that. Uh, I used to respect that when I worked for a lot of liberal places before they went totally insane. Mm. You know, I used to write for the New York Times and I kind of really appreciated, you know, at the time, not so much anymore at all, but the kind of oversight that the writers had to make mm. sure you're, you know, can't get sued or that you're getting things correct. Sure, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that I've, I've watched in those places uh of course they're laying off staff left and right i don't even think the new york times has copy editors anymore uh and you know the level at which they've just become complete political propaganda machines Mm. not that they probably ever weren't but it's just so much more apparent now yeah it's weird how little effort is being made to hide this stuff anymore i think we've 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 crossed the rubicon now it's like it it's very daring and in your face um which is pretty interesting yeah i i think i kind of agree with you i think um decentralization is really good for a lot of things for for currency and markets it's really good for you know privacy it's really good for <clears throat> it's good for power government things like that but it's not great for our collective epistemology to be decentralized right like we we are sailing with no north star as a, as western culture these days i thought that was probably the dumbest part of that goofy Republican debate that just happened where Mike Pence was trying to make the argument against uh, Vivek Ramaswamy that we don't need to find our national identity again. We never lost it. Like, dude, have you looked around at America in the last 20 years? What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it, it's, I, I was just having this conversation the other day. I mean, this this sort of relates to what you're saying, I think. But just the fact that how much we well, we were talking about Tucker Carlson being pulled off the air and how his show was, you know, people would watch his show and get together and talk about what he said on tv mm. that ne- that next night and i'm you know it seems so much in our culture is is in t- i don't think i don't know if there's you know 
a group of people who meet every week to decide how to atomize people, make them feel more alone and mm. decentralize our culture. But that's certainly been the product. And just look at things like award shows that we used to congregate around. Did you watch the Grammys last night? Whatever. Now half the country absolutely refuses to watch yeah. any rewards award show, rightfully so. And you even look at that at, uh, you know, there'd be certain media figures that people would coalesce around that would become kind of nucleuses for conversation or even events but all that's being stripped away so i agree with you that decentralization is wonderful in so many things but we do need cultural touchstones we do need places where people can get together and have those conversations and i don't know uh things to to, to orbit around mm. uh, you know another is sports i mean sports provides that same function but also whatever forces that be are trying to chip that away with taking knees and wearing your rainbow hockey jerseys and all this <laughs> stupid stuff to try to you know break people apart that way yeah. so it's it's absolutely important for us to have a shared common culture mm. in that respect for yeah sure and not just the culture but the set of facts that everybody agrees on is seems like that's a good idea as well right so all of the major print publications 50 years ago even wouldn't have printed like stuff that is clearly untrue they, they may they may bend the truth to some degree or lie by omission or whatever mm -hmm. right but they wouldn't print things like that are just patently untrue because the other the other to protect the epistemology the other institutions would come after them now it's like nobody cares that they're coming after each other and i, I think you you hit something about award shows and and people marshalling around different things it's like a cultural water cooler almost right we come for a few moments share some ideas and experiences and then we fuck off back to where we came from and where where we came from is pretty disparate right like the culture the, i think there's like 3400 dialects of english spoken in america that's that's one example of how you know as similar as we are we're still very different living uh, uh our lives are very different the way we live them so being able to experience other people like that you go to a football game and there's fans from each side right so they're kind of antagonistic but they're still football fans and then you you know get into the fan base of a particular team and they are wildly different people you know what i mean like all 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 uh races uh classes you know one of the two genders that exist you know things like that <clears throat> and they're all cheering for the same thing i feel like that is important i hear people especially in the vet community talk about how we might get back to 912 without having another 911 like well it's not one big thing you don't want to live like that you know you need structure and consistency and this is this is some of them like taking away our cultural uh, water cooler for lack of a better phrase is really and you see it right they're talking about a war on loneliness now like oh shit is our government going to lose another war <laughs> right yeah I, it it seems it seems like a lot of people in power thought that Ukraine would be that nine twelve moment, but it didn't happen, and even actually just divided us even further. Did they really think that? I mean, that's man, that's I know that everybody in that position in foreign policy. Another that's probably the second dumbest thing I heard at the Republican debates was all the people on stage that did have foreign policy experience touting that like they haven't fucking ruined everything that they've done yeah. so far. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you've never fought a fire before. I'm like, all oh, the buildings you went to burned down, buddy. Like, you suck at your job. <laughs> now, I, I don't right. know if I would put that on my resume. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think that that's how completely stupid and blinded they are. I think probably a lot of conservatives, like not conservatives, neocon establishment types, I mean, I could just see that being their thinking, you know, OK, we're going to get together with the left and we're going to support this war because everyone hates Russia. Right. It's the scariest place, most evil country in the world. So, of course, after we've had this four years of absolute division and being at each other's throats. Oh, now we have this cause we can rally behind mm. and it's anti Putin and it's defending these poor, peaceful Ukrainians, the most the most, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, divine and wonderful people on earth and absolutely no corruption whatsoever. They're, you know, they're basically God on earth, these people. Yeah. We need to defend them from everything uh, wrong, uh, you know, the birthplace of democracy. But uh, it didn't happen. Uh, and I think that probably shocked a lot of conservative leaders who are absolutely completely out of touch with the base and probably still don't understand Trump's popularity. Um, I certainly, yeah, I, I mean, aside from whatever kickbacks they're getting out of it, I can mm. see them thinking that would have that effect but, but of course it did it that's like it's wildly naive i think you know based on the temperature of the country right now that people would have supported that i don't i don't uh man i i'm i am confident that you are right but i wonder if there was ever a moment even after the fact where like you know what 
maybe this was not a great idea or are they just like so pathological about you know being because i've heard people in congress describe their uh their role to me uh a certain representative u.s representative stated that well we're not representatives of the will of the people we're trustees of the public will which means you vote you agree to vote for me and then i represent you the way i see best in congress like nope that it's the word no. representative is literally in your name buddy it's it's right there at the front too so you don't miss it um but i do they, they are pretty delusional but i do wonder if they're every now and again somebody's not just like come on man are we really doing this like i can't pretend anymore it, it, it well, it's got to be also generational, you know. And mm. I think that it's the younger men, members of Congress, uh, at least on the right, who are, you know, you look at these older people. They've grown up with the evil empire their entire lives, and the the, the foreign policy establishment just absolutely hates Russia mm -hmm. for God knows how many other uh, any reasons. And I don't think there's. I mean, it seems to me that that I don't know when when. Uh, you know, going back to Tucker Carlson, when people ask, you know, if what ideologically was it about him that got him pulled off the air? Because mm. it was ideological, obviously. Uh, you know, there's many things, January 6th, Big Pharma, ESG, but I, the one I come around to is Ukraine. I'm like, I think that there's, there's just so much money and interest in that. And he was the only voice in mainstream media that was pushing back against that. And had had the cojones actually call Zelensky a thug, mm. a thug in a traps, a, a track suit, you know? Mm. Um, there's so much money in that, you know, BlackRock and State State Street Capital, the largest man weapons manufacturers mm. in the U.S. BlackRock owns 10% uh, of News Corp. State Street owns Dominion Voting Systems. Mm. So I think that was the, you know, one of one of the biggest things. Like that's mm. such a third rail for the foreign policy establishment. You know, they absolutely yeah. need tension with Russia at all times. Yeah, and State Street and BlackRock are already talking about getting, you know, international gov contracts to rebuild Ukraine. Like, come on, man. Like yeah, you, you talk about vertical integration. Holy shit! <laughs> like you start the war, you fucking give them the weapons for the war, and then you rebuild after the goddamn war. Jesus, man, you're yeah. you're in every part of it now. Yeah, then you can control the news media and the narrative yeah. around the war. I mean, nobody accuses these people of being stupid. No, <laughs> no, and it's like you see stuff like this happening in open air, right? They're not trying to hide. They literally, State Street and BlackRock were literally on the news talking about how they want to fucking, you know. And they, they, they come at it from that angle, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do what we can to help those people and rebuild their countries. Like, and you're doing that uh, pro bono then? Like, oh, no, no. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, we only manage $14 trillion in assets. We can't afford that. What are you talking yeah. about? Um, <laughs> right, But exactly. they just do it right out in the open. They, it's like, I, I don't know what this means. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, if you think about it in terms of, an employee at work who's uh, disaffected and they, their behavior just become you, you can clearly tell they're giving less fucks every single day um, and being more honest about what they think because they don't care about the outcome. It, it kind of feels like that. It feels like they feel so secure in their power that there's nothing could ever happen to stop this. So we're just going to do what the fuck we want. You know what I mean? Like t today we find out, excuse me, today we find out that, um, that Burisma that Hunter and, and Devin Archer had a meeting with John Kerry, right? And then three weeks later, that prosecutor gets fired in Ukraine to get Burisma off the hook. I mean, and, and then, <laughs> like, in the months after that, they literally accuse their political opponent, Trump, of doing what they said, what they were doing. I mean, how does that work? I've worked in politics a little bit. I've worked in media quite a bit. How does that work exactly? Like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do this fucked up shit, and then we're going to immediately accuse our opponent of having done it and then just roll with it from there and see what happens. Is that a game plan that you've seen before in, like, human history? I don't I don't think I've seen that before. Well, it's straight out of Rules for Radicals. Um, mm. Zelensky. Uh, That's what's true, not yeah. Zelensky. Uh, straight straight yeah. out of the book, Rules for Radicals. Uh, they are – I mean, it's 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 – you're right. It's so completely flagrant and obvious, and, and they're so – uh, incredibly arrogant, and, and they're not worried about it. Why should they be worried about it? They have the entire corporate media establishment on their side. Nobody's going to call this stuff out uh, for whatever reason. I mean, even uh, th this is kind of bouncing around a bit, but it's still in the same theme. You know, even we just found out that uh, that judge in D.C. is scheduling Trump's trial for mm. the day before Super Tuesday. 
like what like they're not they do not care they're not even trying to hide it yeah uh, it, it's 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 absolutely incredible but uh you know no one's tried to stop them and i don't yeah. think anyone will well they're also making like mistakes too right like that's a mistake you're 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 giving a guy who is already a press free like an earned media magnet you're giving him the biggest magnet in the world you know what i mean yeah like you don't think that's going to get out the vote for him that but maybe that's what they want i don't know about all that um but yeah, it's it's weird the way. Th- what, what do you think that means? What what do you what do you glean from the fact that they're so brazen about it now, without seemingly without any fear? I mean, the stock trading, insider stock trading stuff, it's everything to do with public ser- public servants right now. Well, I think it's it's a to be so brazen is another tool to keep people in line. You know, if you are so extremely powerful and you're so and you're just you know, excuse my language, dickwagging about everything that you're how corrupt you are and everything you're doing to, to, to wield control over a population, uh, to be so flagrant about it is to say, you can't do anything about it. I'm absolutely in touch with them. And they're right <laughs> for now. Mm. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's showing how much power they have. Uh, and of course they're protected. You know, why does the media protect these people? I, I mean, there's, there's many, I, I, other than the fact that they're all part of the same ecosystem, I don't really know what else, you know, they, they're all, travel in the same circles they all support the same corporate culture uh you know it's it's this kind of corporatist statist marriage we're in i don't know if it's sustainable though you know and we're watching how back to what we were talking about with the decentralization of media another thing we're watching is the collapse of mainstream media and the collapse of cable i mean i just saw today like almost four million people have, have canceled their cable subscriptions this year alone and it's like so far this year uh you know we are seeing this kind of this cataclysmic shift away from corporate media. I talk about media a lot because I think because mm. I do think that a lot of it has to do with the media not raising the, these alarm bells and protecting these people, and that's why they're allowed to get away with it. But we're seeing this shift, especially now with the Republican primary of main of, of independent media eclipsing mainstream media. You know, all the news is breaking on independent media. They're getting you know barely any people watch that Fox debate in mm. terms of what a debate usually gathers they had to get 12.8 million viewers mm-hmm. compared to 23 million for the last republican right. primary debate so uh you know we are seeing this shift um and by the way that and, was uh eight years ago that last republican debate it was eight years ago right so you right. would think audiences would have grown but i think these cable news companies have lost millions of viewers over time and it's going to get worse so where do you see it going then this episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. 
I think like Fox and all that. I mean, they're always going to be around. I mean, you look at Fox's website, it gets like 100 billion clicks a month or something insane like that. So they're not really going anywhere. I think that it's going to be, I mean, it's shaping more to be like, like when Bezos bought the Washington Post, obviously the Washington Post is not profitable, but it's a tool that extremely powerful people can have to wield, to, to paint a certain worldview and push for uh, policies that they like. So I think entities like cable news will always stick around for that. But the fact that more people are aware that it's all crap, that it's all regime crap, uh, both conservative regime crap and liberal regime crap. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're walking away from it and, and, and people want, they don't want this kind of soulless corporation. Cable news is such an artifice to begin mm. with. It's everyone's, you know, these nipped and tucked little robots reading scripts and these big studios and like bells and whistles, news alert, you know, and like things ticking around on the screen. People are sick of that. They want to connect with individuals and they want to, you know, they want, they don't want all the, uh, the artifice that, that that news model produces. Yeah. I mean, uh, Woodward and really Bernstein weren't exactly uh great looking dudes. Walter Cronkite. I mean, <laughs> right. He looked respectable and trustworthy, I guess. Uh, Edward Murrow, people like that. Yeah, they were like maybe classically handsome, I guess. I don't know how to say that, but he's certainly not like uh, not like Stepford Wife situation where it's all kind of the same look and the same voice. It's, oh boy, it's weird, man. I got to be honest with you to see how things have changed, but you're right. I mean, television in general, television was invented or at least made practical for the home by GE just so they could sell GE products. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. stoves, ovens, things like that. Um, so it's always been like that. But cable news especially is just a marketing device for status. And it, and it makes you wonder how long – I think it's why cable stuck around so long because it's no longer a very good model for the way people consume content. But is it? do you really think that it's being financially propped up in some kind of way just so they can continue having that that voice to, to market their you know status ideas because that that seems like it's probably what's going on yeah i think it's it's heading that way i mean who is it that owns uh cnn now is it at&t i think um i don't know you know it's it's, it's always Brothers. some company with some yeah which i think yeah. is then also owns it's always some bigger company you know that that has some that has some probably interest in in regulatory mm-hmm. power you know that they need to influence any especially any highly regulated industry that needs some sort of sway of course it's probably a good investment for them to do that i think it's appearing more and more like that i think tucker's cancellation is probably what revealed that so much because uh you know it, it, the the leadership of fox news was just be damned about these these ratings the highest in cable news history fire all of his producers at, at, at one time mm-hmm. as which they did the highest performing team of producers in cable news uh you know it's not normal for a news organization especially fox to fire producers when they get rid of a mm-hmm. show you're hired to work for a network not for a show so you would move to another show then if your show gets taken off the air uh yeah. so it's completely ideological that's almost inarguable at this point and uh and they realized that, that there's probably more money to ma- be made elsewhere and maybe other divisions of, of people who have controlling interests in the company. Uh, so they, uh, Fox is a good example because they were, they've been number one for so long, they've been unbeatable and they simply do not care repeatedly how often they offend their audience. They don't give a shit about their audience. They look down on their audience. They think they're stupid and they think that they'll watch them no matter what. And if they don't, who cares? We want to control who wins the primary. We want to control, uh, you know, who gets the job of president. We want a bigger say. Mm. Um, reminding you that it's owned by foreigners, Fox News. Yeah, 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 no, right. <laughs> Just a reminder to everyone out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're really America first. There's Australians who own Fox News. Um, uh, so, yeah, it does It does seeming that the model is not, you know, profit by is not going to be profited by uh, ratings and ad sales. Mm-hmm. It's going to be profitable by something else. Yeah, my, my co-host on my other show, Drinker Bros, asked me about this all the time, kind of incredulously. Like, he, he's – it doesn't make sense to him why. It seems like a lot of media companies, especially the ones that have news departments, are acting against their own audience and against what – and against like revenue generation strategies as well, right? Um, for like Bud Light's an example of it, obviously, but I mean like just the media part. He's like, well, I don't understand this. Why are they doing this? It's hurting their brand, hurting their company. I'm like, well, it's not about that, right? And and ultimately, especially the publicly traded ones, they're pretty insulated, in my opinion, because 
this the the product isn't the quality of the news it's their stock price right that's their product uh that's how they generate revenue that's where the dividends for the c-suite guys come in at the end of the year that's all they give a shit about so as far as that goes they can protect their stock price just by manipulating the market they that's that that's a an age-old tactic so i don't think they're worried about I don't think they're worried about that at all. So they do have quite a bit, even if there wasn't something nefarious going on and they were just unethical and incompetent, you know what I mean? They would still be able to kind of do that. But I, it, it does seem like it's intentional, you know what I mean? I, when there's a guy like uh, Soros who's cruising around spending so much money on judges and district attorneys in our country and people are just like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And then they'll deny it after the fact, like Alvin Bragg um, will deny it. But, um, you know, the this this infiltration that's happened, you know, from foreign actors and stuff like that, of course they would do it. Like, of course they would manipulate markets and, and, and you know, spread what they call misinformation to, you know, kind of, I guess, keep their power. I guess that's the point of government now. We, we to, just to propagate its own existence, right? Yeah, maybe it's just all for its own amusement, too. I mean, if George Soros is the whole reason why he's trying to destroy America from inside is just because he wants to short the dollar, not because he needs the money, but mm. just for a laugh. <laughs> I mean, just to show he can. I think that that mindset probably uh, infiltrates a lot of people who have all the money in the world and don't need any more money. And it's about exerting power and, and, and shoring up power, which is far more important than, you know, another $100 million mm. or whatever they think they can get that year. Sure. Yeah, what do you think about... Um since we're kind of dancing around politics a little bit, what do you think about uh, Ramaswamy? <sighs> I'm really, I mean, I'm interested in the guy. I, I love listening to him talk. Like I think a lot of people do. Um, I've seen, of course, accusations that he's a fraud or this or that. Uh, I haven't really seen like the evidence for that, except for maybe like some, some excerpts from his late, from his book, for his 2021 book, I think where he was maybe saying some things about January 6th that didn't seem quite right to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's, he says all the right things. That's all I know. Uh, I think he's, he seems to be shining right now. I mean, a lot of people said that he kind of took the, took the cake home at the last debate, which of course I didn't watch cause it's on Fox, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Um, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff he's written in his book are, uh, pretty weird, like a 60% death tax, things like that. His, his, his idea is that you shouldn't just become um, a billionaire because your parents were. It's like ah, I don't know about uh, forcing somebody else. Like it, so when somebody ref refers to themselves or implies somehow that they might be libertarian-minded, it's pretty easy to find out if that's real or not, right? And you, it's because their their axis, their crux will always be: does this give more power to the individual or more power to the state? And they will always choose the individual, no matter what, right? Um, and I see that pop up time and time again in his talking where it's it's not neocon. It's not nation building, which, by the way, I don't if you remember in uh, in 2000, George Bush was on the campaign trail campaigning against nation building um, just to, you know, keep that in mind. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, he, he's, he doesn't talk about neocon shit, but he does seem to have. Uh, his his relationship I think with with liberty is a bit statist still, and I'm not comfortable with that. But you know, is that better or worse than Joe Biden? <laughs> so, there's, there's an obvious answer to that question. You know what I mean? And yeah, he's probably full of shit a little bit. He's a politician. He says he's not, but you fucking are running for president. You're a politician now, buddy. Um, right. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I give him I give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, for the most part, uh, but you know, it's except for when it's politicians, then I just assume they're always lying, um, which is the safer bet. But I have wondered, I've seen a couple of people on Twitter put together little mini profiles on him and some weird stuff he said, but you know, um, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, to be honest. Time will tell, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if. I think the most likely scenario is that he becomes Trump's Veep candidate or because or, I don't think DeSantis would accept it because there's too much 
tumultuous shit going on between them, and I don't think any of the other candidates would really help them, but we'll see. But it would be it'll be interesting to see them in a room talking together to see how they communicate, you know what I mean? Because um, what I would really hope for... Uh, I don't. I don't mind Trump being president. His policies were pretty effective, right? I mean, he's a dick, but I don't care about that. I didn't hire him to be a nice guy. I want him to be the fucking president of the United States. Um, but I do. He he is kind of a classic old school New York liberal, right? So I, there needs to be somebody not fucking Mike Pence for sure, because he doesn't even understand the Constitution. Uh, but somebody that you know does understand the Constitution and continuously pulls Trump to the right, not like the alt or far right that people describe now just keep government small like hey maybe let's not add eight trillion dollars to the to the debt in this next four years like you did last time you know what i mean stuff like that so but i, I don't know if do you get the sense from ramaswamy that he thinks that way because i some of the stuff he said I, I don't really get that from him i i i guess no i mean i think i guess the only sort of specifics i've really heard him talk from talking about foreign policy and trade here's about you know uh uh semiconductor manufacturing in taiwan i think was the last thing i was really big like that he seemed to really know what was going on and sort of mm. helping build back america's manufacturing base which i think is wonderful that's great that's why i really liked trump in 2016 because mm. he spoke of those same things yep. um i don't know if ramaswamy i don't really see him as vp maybe like chief of staff or something maybe mm. some down the line you know what i mean i don't know if he would be that you know, but you know, you, but you you'll, you'll certainly notice that neither him nor Tim Scott has, has ever attacked Trump. In fact, mm -hmm. they really actively defend him, almost in kind of a surrogate sort of way. So they're obviously clued in. Uh, not not only is that good politics because that's what the voters want to see, but um, strategically wise, if he's planning mm -hmm. on you know going ahead. Uh, I don't know if any of those people who run the debate stage are going to be VP material. I guess maybe Tim Scott or Vivek would be yeah. the closest, but you know, Scott's maybe... so boring, man. I just don't. I mean, and look, you don't yeah. necessarily want your vice president to be exciting either, right? right? That's not because you're getting constantly upstaged, and uh, you know Trump does have a bit of an ego, so I, I think he doesn't want that. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe you, you may be right about that. I mean, uh, I the other thing is. The Trump administration in particular, not Republicans so much, but the, but Trump has seen crazy returns in voting from the black community. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the dumbest thing to have a black dude as your VP, but I'm not sure Tim Scott is a needle mover for the black community, to be honest. I mean, he's, yeah. doesn't, he, doesn't see, he doesn't scream street cred because he talks about being a virgin <laughs> and shit. I'm not sure if that's going to fly. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that for sure. <laughs> uh, we'll see, I guess. But yeah, it is. he's an interesting guy. I think, uh, to be honest, he seems like the kind of guy that's still kind of coming into his own and figuring out who he is and what he wants to be. He's, I think he's really smart. He's a good speaker. I can't tell if he's full of shit or not yet, but we'll see in time. I'm sure to some degree he is, but we'll see. Um, but he's not afraid of controversy. He's not afraid to fucking, you know, talk to people and, and have them rebut him. He is a little dodgy when it comes to stuff he said in the past. He'll be like, well, I didn't say that. I'm like, well, kind of did, you know, a little bit. So just clarify. But, you know, I, I think that's all part of the maturing process. Being a public figure is being a smart guy and your group of friends is way different than being a smart guy as a public figure because your dumb, dumb friends might forget some shit you said four years ago, but the internet's forever, buddy. Right. Yeah, for sure. For <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how old is he? Again? He's like in his mid thirties, isn't he? I mean, he's I think coming he's 38. along. Yeah. So he's, he's he? really yeah. young. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's got some potential for sure. And he's Regardless of how full of shit he may or may not be about certain things, I, I you can't like say he's worse than anybody that's serving in Congress or the or the Senate or the White House right now. Um, what about uh, what about these uh, Trump indictments, man? I mean, is do you think that this is like a, like a critical moment in American history, or is this gonna we're gonna look back on this in ten years and be like that was dumb, comical kind of situation, like it was stupid? but not like mm. it fractured our country permanently kind of situation. I think that depends on what happens in the next election. I think that, I mean, it certainly feels like, uh, I think you used a phrase earlier that we crossed the Rubicon, that mm. it feels like there's something that's not, that we're not going back from. I don't believe that if Trump were to win 
were to be elected next time, mm. I don't know if he would go on a revenge tour. You know, I would like him to. I don't know if he. I don't know if he'd be able to. Number one. What do you What do you mean by him. revenge tour? I would just start arresting all the people that fucked with him this time. Start locking. Hey, maybe go after Hillary. Go back to the emails. Uh, maybe go after the Bidens. Maybe look into these prosecutors. Any any dirty thing he could do that the Democrats are doing to him and his supporters. Uh, you know, any amount of treatment that anyone locked up for J6 got, give it to lefty treatment, uh, lefty protesters, whatever. I don't know if he'd actually do that. I don't really think he's nasty in that mm. way that maybe I kind of wish he was a little more <laughs> because of the treatment he's received. Um, and aside from that, I don't think he, I don't think he'd be able to, to m- maneuver Washington in that way. I think he'd still encounter the same swamp that is completely against him uh you know they've totally they realize he's only it's a temporary job only be there four years they're not going to align themselves with him they're not going to do his bidding they're not going to help him out so you know if trump got into office and went on this revenge tour and started locking up people for silly things like they're targeting him for then we have a different scenario than if he wins and just decides to be the bigger man which i don't necessarily advocate for being the bigger man in this Mm. situation but um, I think that's really going to determine it, uh, yeah. you know, and if he doesn't win, all the charges are probably just going to disappear mm. because this is only about election interference in, in one way or another. It's only about interfering in the election because they want to dissuade people from voting for him mm. or because they really want him to become the candidate. And so they're doing this to drum up the base, the left being because they think he's easy to beat. And if it's the latter, it certainly worked on me. It's made me you know, very emotional about supporting this man and feeling like we have to get behind him. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it's clear the left is doing this because he's running for president, but I just don't know if it what their intent is and the level to which it's coordinated. Uh, let, let me run my conspiracy. It's not really a conspiracy. Yeah, theory. let's hear it. Uh, but my theory is that um, I don't think in terms of left or right that much because I think that's kind of a canard, to be honest. It's maybe fucking 40 years ago but this is not how the world works anymore um but i do think the aristocracy wants trump to win the presidency to swing that pendulum back far to the other side i mean if you just uh, you know the the harder you swing the thing the longer it continues swinging and the more drastically and i think there i think there is some concerted effort to what we spoke about before just to you know inject division and chaos into western culture and i think that would be a good way to do it i you know to your other point, <clears throat> Trump probably only has the political capital to go after, like, the establishment after agencies and, and shut some of them down or cur- curtail their power or, you know, the, the people that were fucking with him. I don't know that he could do both in four years. That would be a lot. So I wonder. Yeah. I do wonder which one he'll choose, hopefully. Um, well, there's a couple of people that belong in prison. Like, the Bidens belong in prison, it seems like. Um, yeah. Not for keeping boxes of, of printer paper and next to his Corvette, by the way, for, you know, actual crimes. But, uh, yeah. What do you think about that theory that the, the aristocracy or the powers that be whomever just want the pendulum to keep swinging back and forth? Cause I don't, I, I think if we, we were kind of centrist not too long ago. Right. And like Bill Clinton's last term, we were pretty centrist as a country. Everybody was pretty much on the same page until his whole thing, you know, but we were not even close to it. And it, it didn't take, it took one generation to just completely fracture all of American politics. I, I would agree with you that um, if there were, so no, I could totally see this interest in having it keep swinging, but I would even say one reason for that is, is okay, well, you can't go, you can't keep going so far. You still have to have a, uh, the, you know, the illusion of uh, fairness and the illusion of, mm. Of, uh, of of democracy so you let you know one guy win and the other guy win and the other guy win and the other guy win so that people are don't feel like they're completely oppressed in the meantime if people are at each other's throats and fighting about transgender pronouns all day long and uh then of course you're free to continue doing whatever it is that makes you money uh and you know getting back to our getting back to our uh earlier conversation about those industries um, yeah, I thought that for a long time. It's like everything, it always seems just so perfectly like turned just when it needs to, to give the other side, uh, the other party a victory just when they need it. Mm. That, uh, you know, if, if it were some, if there's something that we're sort of managing that, I think one reason, you know, maybe 
might not necessarily be to drive us into civil war, but to keep, you know, both sides in mm, each other's throats so sure. that they're focused on that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it has to be like people, you, you, you spell this out for somebody and their brain immediately goes to some like dark room with poor lighting. Uh, and then everybody's twisting their mustache like, Oh, we're right. going to get these plebs. <laughs> I think it's just like the classic aristocratic wink and a nod, like the good old boy system. Like, Hey, we're going to, acting it wouldn't it wouldn't it be good if we did x y and z and who cares about the fallout of that i think that it's probably way closer to that than it is some even davos closed door meeting about now now again they do talk about some crazy ass shit in public there like you're you're not going to own anything and you're going to be happy uh it's like all right cool man well that's that's that doesn't sound very good right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah for sure uh it's I mean, with all those things, it's we can talk about. It, it, yeah, it's almost like, you know, I don't think there's like a weekly call with the Davos set to figure out how they can control the world. Sure, but it's almost like a conspiracy of like-minded instincts. You know, <laughs> it's almost like. I mean, when you're talking about any of these things, uh, you know, so many of these people come from the same universe and world that that, that they don't even need to. Uh, be a part of some secret society that, you know, eats placentas and, and decides who's going to win the next election or whatever the mm. case may be. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll definitely see about that. Now let's talk about, um, let's talk about your, what's the, what's the name of it? Damn it. I just lost it. Um, the book that you wrote before this one. Sorry. Um, Oh, it's called, uh, so you've been sent to diversity yeah, training. Yeah. Tell me, yeah. <laughs> tell me about this. I've actually got it somewhere. I think it's at my house cause somebody sent it to me as a gift, but I haven't read it yet. It's in my list. Oh, awesome. But tell me, tell me about this because it sounds like it's going to be both angering and enjoyable for me to some degree. I wanted, well, I wanted to make it fun because you know, I'm a big fan of mocking the left at every turn. Cause you know, they, they hate, they really, really hate that. You mm. are not supposed to laugh at them. Um, but also, you know, I just wanted to do, I, I wanted to talk to, you know, workers from across the country and across the economy, just like, just with the simple premise, like what's going on with your DEI training? Uh, and I sort of formed a book around that. So I, you know, spoke to police officers, I spoke to guys on oil rigs, which is my favorite chapter, uh, you know, secretaries, IT managers, you know, retail workers, uh, just with that simple question of like, what, what kind of DEI training did you have to go through? Mm. Uh, focus mostly on the private sector. Uh, and you know, I, wanted, I put their stories into there, and also had a lot of fun with it, you know, and 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 going into a little bit of the history of DEI, where it comes from, who the big, uh, 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 you know, knights of the industry are. These these uh, DEI superstars who get paid six figures to show up and talk about, you know, how white people are evil, how babies are uh, racist, yeah. And your babies are racist, absolutely. <laughs> it begins in it begins before kindergarten when you're still in your pampers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, so that was, it's a fun, it's a fun little book um, came out, I think last year, last yeah, it was last year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, and my first book. So um, yeah, it's a pretty enjoyable read. Good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to take that on the uh, airplane with me soon then. And just so people can hear me laugh. Um, <laughs> awesome. Now let's get to uh, your next book, your latest book. And it's just called Tucker, right? That's right. Yeah aptly named um, because it's about tucker carlson and it's about tucker carlson it's it's uh the the tucker carlson biography mm. um and um yeah he you know totally opened up his life and his world to me and you know let did me... you live in his basement like johnny depp and hunter thompson no i uh did sleep in his one of his child's bedrooms the child was not there they're grown up and <laughs> yeah. out of the house yeah, yeah. but i did did sleep in one of the in the pink bedroom uh, and, um, uh, for one, for one of the visits when I was spending time with them, um, and, uh, you know, it was like a lot of like, uh, hanging out with Tucker in the morning and he's sitting around in his boxer shorts, uh, mm. you know, drinking coffee and we're just shooting the shit for like the next three hours and, you know, getting it all on tape and, um, getting to know his wife, Susie, who's one of the most wonderful people mm. ever, uh, and his dad, Dick, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I wanted to, I really, I, you know, I knew that there was something, special about Tucker. I don't think there's many, if any, cable news hosts that you'd actually want to read a biography about. They tend to be not very interesting people and kind of jerks. But uh, I knew that Tucker was different. And um, yeah, I really wanted to tell a three-dimensional story of this human being. You know, he's really smart, really interesting, really, really well-rounded. His interests are are, are, are varied and, and fascinating. And he's just a, a really um, uh, 
unique person. And I really wanted to sort of paint that portrait and, you know, tell a story about this guy who's, he was so polarizing and you have people who are either, you know, think he's, you know, the antichrist and the most evil person who ever lived. And on the other side, you have people who think he's a God and the greatest thing to ever happen to America. And I really wanted to just tell the story of this person um, and, and, uh, uh, and get into who he is and what motivates him, where mm. he came from. Um, so that's sort of how the book came to be. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's real. I guess it's just a sign of the political times these days. But people assume because somebody has uh, you know, different political views than they do, then somehow it's a bad person, maybe or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe that's a way you insulate yourself from critical thinking. Just to, well, that's a bad guy, so I don't need to think about that idea he just said. Uh, I'm sure there's some part of that that's in there, but um, he's. I've heard him called a lot of things like rude and hateful. I'm like, no, man. He's like the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Uh, yeah. yeah. Somebody questioning you doesn't make them a dick. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you don't, you're, don't, you're not entitled to not be, to have your uh, uh, facts and motives questioned. That's just how it is in life, dude. It's literal violence if you question my <laughs> truth, actually. My truth. Uh, yeah, he's, um, I mean, because when you do get to know him and when you actually like understand what he believes, mm. there's, you know, there's, He's a, he's a civil libertarian at heart. He's a live and let live guy. He's very spiritual. He loves nature. He's not like a point scoring, you know, politician. He's uh, he's much more concerned in the bigger questions of um, spirituality, family, morality, beauty than he is in, you know, Republican versus Democrat. And, you know, I think another reason why why the left hates him so much is he holds a mirror up to who they once were. Mm. And of course, absolutely not anymore. You know, he's anti-corporatist, he's anti-war, anti-nation building, he's very pro-free speech. Uh, he's all these things that the left would still like people to believe that they're... Well, I don't even know if they do want people to believe that anymore. It's, when, I, when I was growing up, that's what the left was was representative of. Representative of. Um, certainly not anymore, and I don't think they're even trying to hide it anymore. Mm. Uh, and I think that he embarrasses the hell out of them because they don't want to admit that. Um, you know, a staple of his audience, as I discovered, was was disaffected liberals, former Democrats, and uh, it was also a staple on his show. Whenever someone sort of left the Democrat Party, they always had a place on his show. Mm. Uh, and that sort of, he was very much this figurehead for that transition in American politics. As you said, that left and right don't really make sense anymore. Yeah. And we shouldn't, you know, he's very much the, the figurehead for that in mainstream media. Of course, that stuff is all over the internet. Sure, it's on yeah, shows yeah, like yeah. yours, it's yeah. everywhere. But in mainstream media, it's still Democrat, Republican. Mm. Uh, and he was he, he he blurred that line in a way that most people understood and connected with. Which is interesting because earlier in his career, he was on Crossfire, where he specifically was there to represent the conservative viewpoint, right? But as soon as yeah. that, almost as soon as that show was over, he uh, evolved quite a bit, I would say. And I don't know if evolves the right way. He was just not playing a character anymore. He was just being himself, you know. Um, but I agree with that. He's definitely... Uh, I would say if you had to get granular, maybe like a, a semi-left-leaning libertarian, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, because a lot of that comes with a live-and-let-live shit. You just don't care about anybody's – nobody cares what you're doing, dude. Just shut the fuck up and go to work, yeah. would you please? Um, yeah. But, yeah, what do you – what do you, uh, you think he was taken down because of Ukraine, right? Or, or do you think well, – do you think the I Dominion thing had something to do with that as well? I asked him directly, uh, and he at the time didn't think it was Ukraine, but could have been. You mm. know, he, he very much said um, that, you know, the Murdochs actually directly approached him and when he was coming, coming under a lot of fire with Ukraine. And, you know, they're very, they're very pro-Zelensky, pro-war people, mm. obviously, and he's not. And, you know, he said that they said to him, we're happy to disagree. We're not going to tell you what you can and cannot say. And he was always very grateful for that. Now, that's not to say that maybe they weren't being honest, but you know, that's what he relayed to me. Um, you know, it, 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 the, it came six days after dominion. You know, what my sources told me, uh, was that it was a part of the settlement with dominion, but dominion has of course denied this. Fox has denied this dominion has, you know, sent me angry letters to shut up and don't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just what my sources told me. So that's all I can say. And other people have reported that as well. Uh, and, uh, but you know, what's clear is that it, it, the timing of dominion was, whether or not it was exactly a condition, it was certainly Fox was using that as an opportunity to get rid of him. Certainly it benefited them because it got everyone in line. You know, everyone, mm -hmm. everyone at Fox now is very much a company man. Nobody's stepping off uh, 
what they're supposed to do. They're all very terrified. They're not going to get out of line now after they got rid of Tucker Carlson. Um, uh, looking at you, Greg Gutfeld. So um, <laughs> that is, you know, certainly the timing was there for that. Um, and yeah, at this point, you can't argue that it wasn't ideological, I don't think. Um, and 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 Fox has not really recovered. I mean, if they, they, mm. they sort of look at themselves as, um, you know, they, they didn't they sort of failed to understand that Tucker Carlson was a political movement, not just a talk show host. And they didn't realize that millions of people were had cable subscriptions were tuning in just for him. Yeah. You know, they Fox looks at itself as like, we're the brand, we're what's matter. The reason why a show is successful is because it's the eight o'clock show at Fox. It's not because it's it's him. But what they're finding out now is that he was propping up the entire primetime lineup mm. and probably the entire network and maybe even cable in general artificially yeah. extending its life and relevance. Yeah. Um, that might be the same mistake the RNC and Republican Republicans in Congress made about Trump as well. He's not just a, He's not just a candidate. He's like, this is a movement. It's a populist political movement from the right. Like, and, right, and exactly. The, the, all of the internal dissent. I mean, I, I get it. The neocons have made a lot of fucking money, man, on wars, on, uh, uh, you know, me and my buddies going to fight stupid, pointless fucking wars for them. So they're not going to give yeah. that shit up. That's not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. What's, uh, what's something you learned about Tucker that you – didn't know before or something that you learned that surprised you other than the fact that he likes to say the word cunt a lot he does like to say the word cunt a yeah. lot uh it's better which than i fuck, do too i enjoy says. it yeah well it's a great word how yeah. can you not like the word cunt I don't yeah know. just not call this the break glass in case of emergency word yeah. well i like, feel like right there when you need it yeah. working for what's effectively an australian company you should get away with it right jesus christ i mean right exactly it's like saying you know it's like saying heck over there yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so one thing, well, I I, I, I kind of knew this, but I didn't really understand, I didn't know it to the, I didn't understand the details of it as much of the times I do now after writing about it. But I think one thing people don't really know about him is the story of his mother, uh, who she was this California heiress who, mm. um, you know, this kind of spoiled rich kid. His dad was an orphan. His dad is kind of a rags to pull himself up by the bootstraps kind of guy. Um, but uh, his mother abandoned her family when Tucker was six years old. He never saw her again since mm-hmm. he was six years old. Um, she wanted to be kind of art world hippie. Um, and she died in 2011 of cancer without him ever seeing her again. Um, but I, I talked to people who knew her. I interviewed a bunch of people who knew her in the, kind of around that art world scene and got to talk to Tucker's wife about her and, and Tucker himself and his father about you know how that affected him and, and or how it may or may not have affected Tucker and who he was. Um, but you know, his childhood is like really interesting and really, really fascinating. And, and the fact that his father, Dick was sort of a single parent who had these, who had no rules for those kids. You know, he was driving to school when he was 13. Uh, so it was just kind of like interesting, like, uh, um, freewheeling childhood that certainly shaped who he's become today. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that past is something people don't really know much about that was really yeah. you know interesting. To I, I do hear even from friends of ours that. Like yeah, I mean, he seems like a kind of the kind of kid that grew up rich, you know what I mean? But yeah, you know, it's, it's it, it was really... actually kind of a tumultuous upbringing. Yeah, and his dad was like a local TV news anchor. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. like a billionaire, you right. know. Um, so Tucker has that certainly has that impression that he grew mm. up with the silver spoon in his mouth, but not really. I mean, they were comfortable, but you know, they grew up eating at Denny's and McDonald's mm. like every night of the week, you know. Um, I think they probably get that from his his father later remarried another heiress. <laughs> Uh, but um, of the Swanson food, who I got to yeah, meet, Patricia. Yeah. That, um, that makes you wonder about uh, his dad and what's going on with him. You know what I mean? He's This guy's got some game, apparently. He's got some game. Yeah. He can pick these 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 rich California women for sure. He may, he should do them. a master class on that. I'll stop watching Tucker and just watch. <laughs> what, yeah, that exactly. On Twitter. <laughs> yeah, really for sure. <laughs> what's, uh, what's one more thing from the book that you think is something that people should really know to get them to go buy this thing? Because I think it's, I, I'm going to read it. Uh, well, I've read the first couple of chapters, but I'm going to read the rest of it. We've got a trip in Florida this weekend, so I'll be doing it then. But what's one more elevator pitch for this thing i want people to read it oh excellent uh oh man there's so much in there uh you know i've talked him talking about trump extensively and there's mm. really really funny stories about having dinners with trump i'll just say the 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 one line that 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 is fun is that he uh never wears socks or deodorant uh he loves a grateful dead and he hasn't eaten a vegetable since he was in high school 
and he's a staunch supporter of nicotine and all it's I know that he's got Zens on him at all time not uh, all time no yeah, no free yeah. ads for Zen you can use any nicotine product you want but um, right, right yeah <laughs> but yeah he's uh I he's you said he hasn't eaten a vegetable since high school yeah, the exception is iceberg lettuce, which he does not consider a vegetable, just a vessel for bacon and blue cheese. Mm, man, I, if you didn't like Tucker Carlson before, you have to. <laughs> right. You have to now. And you know the man looks youthful as hell, so he's doing something right. Oh, he's yeah, 54, yeah. And he look, still got that same baby face. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, well, look, man, this is this is really interesting. I enjoyed the conversation today. It's uh, good for you for being out. I mean, as a conservative, not uh, whatever, but... Uh, also, you know, do whatever you want in your life because this is fucking America. Um, That's also right. really glad that you're that there are more more journalists who are kind of breaking away from that bullshit. I, I like that some people are staying in corporate media as well. Like, I mean, you got to fight. Somebody's got to fight. Um, Batia Ungarsari is a friend of mine over at Newsweek. I'm glad she's doing it. Glad you're doing it. Um, this book looks really funny. I'm going to not funny, uh, really fun. I'm going to read it this weekend and let you know what I think. Appreciate you coming today. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank yes, you very sir. much. Yeah, and you all go out and buy the book as well. It's called Tucker by Chadwick Moore. Buy it. And thank you all for watching. This has been Citizen.